0: E
1: Sol and Terrain. We've been listening to a bit of funky stuff there. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Before that, I had a of stuff. I can't really go into it. It's just you know on the list of stuff that I think everyone needs to listen to tonight. What we have got coming up? I've got the NBA Oracle and Sneaky Pete from the dark web, and we're going to cover all things NBA and basketball related. Sneaky Pete from the dark web, are you there, mate? Checking in. Checking in from lockdown, <laughs> from the lockdown box, the lock box, mate. Has it been a bit tough being locked down?
0: Oh, you know my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a list I'm of jobs? Trouble. Yeah, oh. she doesn't
1: listen to the show anyway, oh. mate. Um, yeah, I can just imagine the list of jobs and the little you know, things that might be going on. So, mate, it's your uh, time to shine We're on the air of uh, 2NVR broadcasting across the universe uh, out of the Yarrahatmi station. Highlight of my week via the dark web. So Sneaky Pete from the dark webs with us and the NBA Oracle on his new and improved internet. Are you there, Oracle?
2: Maddie, how are you?
1: I'm good, mate.
2: Is it, is it, how am I coming through? How do I sound?
1: Like the the quality the, the the quality of the internet is no doubt good. It's possible oh, possible you've just got a tinny voice in general. Is that sneaky Pete? Could that be what it is?
0: <laughs> well, I've tried to install like an equalizer to his vocal cords, but um, you know he's not up for transhumanism. He wants to go a <laughs> la natural. Oracle, is there a chance you could take up smoking?
2: Well, look, I, I've got a, I've got a scotch right here in front of me. Maybe that'll do the trick.
0: Okay. Well, let's see how. We'll it see goes. how that works. Maybe. Yeah. You... Th- hang on. I'm going to call a flag on the play. Mm. I, I think I've noticed what's wrong with you two. Uh oh. You guys are what a what bunch is... of drunks. <laughs> <laughs> oh come like, on. Ma- That's what's Mat- wrong. Matty's drinking his wine, vino, up there in Nambuca The well, Nambuca natural. The Nambucca natural's got his vino. Mm. Got his pinot noir. No, it's a cab sav. Thanks, mate. It's a cab sav.
2: Hey, sick of malts. I can't afford that. I'm on my hundred pipers here. Mate,
0: if you're oh, dropping thirteen hundred on, on internet, you're uh, you're drinking. No, single got nothing malts. left.
2: Sure. There's nothing left, Pete. That's it. That's all I've got. That's all the money. That's everything. Mm. Hopefully, it's made a difference. We'll see. But there's still more to come. I've got video about, you know, as the listeners keep increasing and you know the buzz starts hitting the webs out there. Oracle. You know,
1: I- Oracle, I'll cut you off there, mate. Even $1,300 internet is still not helping your modulation issue that you're having. So I'm going to give you a chance to see what you can do about it. And I'm going to move on to Sneaky Pete from the Dark where Mr. Reliable. Li- the deep, dulcet tones of the, mm. of the man at the other end. Uh, sneaky Pete. Uh, the man I can rely upon. It's been a pretty big week in terms of what's going on in the world, but in the NBA, it's been a little bit quiet. Uh, We decided that we're going to have a listen to a few little shows, uh, the Luke Longley story and the Malice in the Palace. Did you get a chance to do that, for starters? And second, was there anything else that caught you on the NBA that's sort of this week, or or was it a bit quiet for you two?
0: It's a bit quiet. The the summer league's still going on, which, as I said last week, I'm not... uh... Not really that keen on, but I did my homework. Oh, I watched both my viewing assignments. Did you take notes? Um, no.
1: Mental notes?
0: <laughs> Not at all.
1: One thing I'll, I will mention out of the Summer League, I, I know the uh, Oracle's been pretty, uh, watching it pretty tightly. Did you know that um, Maxi, Mr. Mister 76er, has scored... 52 points, averaging 26
0: per game. He's kind of the forgotten man of the 76ers.
2: He, um, no one really talks about him too much. He, he doesn't have a lot of competition there for... In um, scorers. <laughs> no. I mean, no. the Celtics played in... Um, and Maxi wasn't there. I think we beat his by, I don't know, 40 points or something like that. So, you know, if he's the only guy out there scoring, well, he should be getting at 25 points. He should, and I think... By all reports, he did have a very, very good um, summer league, and that's what they wanted to see.
1: Can I say this, Oracle, um, obviously beating the the drum for the Celtics, Mm. the thing I've heard about the Celtics is essentially uh, they've been playing their second-best team, Uh, their basic bench unit, as their summer league team and have been carving up. Are you are you happy with that strategy? Give them a little bit of confidence for next year. Is that what it's about?
2: Well, look, we had you know we had two guys playing that didn't get their summer league experience last year. You know, they went straight from college to um to the NBA, and right. so I thought it was important that they had a bit of a run just to see what they could do. And, and those guys really did dominate, you know. And then we brought in so a couple of guys on two way contracts who wanted to have a look at and everything, and they've performed really well. So. The back end of the roster is looking a lot better than it did last year when we had guys like Semi-Ojale and Taco Fall and guys that really couldn't contribute much. Now we seem to have, I think, from you know, player maybe 8 to 15, I think we might be the uh, the deepest squad in the NBA. How about that?
1: Really? I've heard people say that about Atlanta as well.
2: Yeah, so look, we're right up there.
0: And, well, Marcus um, Smart signed on again today. 100 million. Did. That was...
2: That was big news because, um, you know, I've said all along that the strategy was to get Bradley Beal. And by smart doing that and getting that contract, well, we can't get a max deal um, in on a salary cap thing. We, like, I mean, could be used in a trade, uh, but, you know, I'm happy for Marcus Smart. He's the heart and soul of the team. He's the guy that uh, you want in the trenches. He's the leader. And um, I'm happy he got his payday. So it'll mean that we can't do what i was saying before but you know like the way things go like marcus smart could be used in the deal it's a it's a fair deal it's a deal that other teams might want to have you know so um i think it was a good move for um the locker room you know for getting um yeah you know all those guys feeling like they battle hard and they've got their pay and they deserve it you know i think if they If they shafted him, um, that would have been a bad look for the Celtics. So
1: what ended up being a year, annual salary?
2: It's under 20. It's like 18 or 19. Yeah, uh, 77 over 4. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: So are you giving up on Bradley Beal or you still think there's a glimmer of hope there?
2: Well, look, if if Smart has a bad year and uh, his contract is uh, something that teams don't want, then it won't work. But if he plays well, um, you know, Celtics could keep him and you know keep him part of the team. Well, they could make some other moves, but you're not going to have Tatum, Brown, Beal and Smart. So you can't have all four. Uh, but I, I think it was a good move for morale. And if he plays well and the Celtics think that Bradley Beal is the way they want to go, well, um, then Marcus Smart can get his money at another club, you know. So, so Sneaky,
1: um, sneaky. we talked last week about what the top teams do and what the not-so-top teams do. Is making everyone feel good by uh, paying someone uh, like Marcus Smart this type of money, is that something the top teams do in your experience or history or, or knowledge of the game?
0: I'm a little confused about this one. Okay, um, it's a bit of a commitment if your plan was getting Bill, and as Oracle said, you can um, use him as part of a trade, but you don't want him to do a Ben Simmons on on the Celtics and have a dog year because mm. his trade value will drop through the floor. I don't especially think on that contract.
1: He, I don't think he will stop trying.
0: Uh, the question. I'm not be, the biggest fan of Marcus Smart. I, think he's, a, I think he's a brain explosion waiting he's, to happen.
2: He's got a completely different role this year, though, because you know when they first brought him in, you had um, Isaiah Thomas, that was the the ball handler and point guard, and then you had Kyrie Irving, and then he went straight from him to um, Kemba, and so now Smart is the undisputed you know starting point guard, and he's got a guy like Schroeder. You know, who, if he's not doing the job, is going to take the job. And if he plays more of that distributor role, um, I think it can work. If he's coming off the bench where he feels like he's got a score and everything like that, that's when he sort of gets into a bit of trouble and has those brain explosions. But, you know, he's got a new coach. The coach says he wants the ball in his hands to make the decisions. And if he plays his role right, it could really work out. So, so what
0: are you saying? The what is the the C's um, starting lineup next year?
2: A lot of conjecture so far. Mm-hmm. You got to oversee those three, and then you're probably going to have the Time Lord in there as the fourth starter. Like I mean, it could be matchup dependent, where maybe sometimes you'll start Horford or Canter depending on who the centre is that they're playing, but you'd imagine it would be Rob most of the time. Now, that other spot um, could go a number of ways. You could have Aaron Neesmith, who's been playing really, really well. and In, uh, in Summer think,
1: League or in actual NBA?
2: No, he, he he was getting a lot of minutes in the NBA, and he's, he's a great shooter and really good defender. Mm-hmm. He, he might be the guy, but then they could also go the direction of Maybe Peyton Pritchard, or they might go the direction of um, maybe uh, Richardson. You know, the guy that played at um, at the Sixers. They might try him. So, um,
1: where would pa- Peyton Pritchard be playing in
2: that starting lineup?
0: Be well, a he'd, shooting guard.
2: Yeah, he'd be uh, him and Smart would be together, and both of them will, you know, be the ball handlers there. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, he and, was considered to be the. Best player in summer league.
2: for Why he was there? And you know, you know what he did? He went to a pro am. You know Isaiah Thomas mm. style. And he scored ninety two points. He scored eleven more than um, Isaiah did. So he won up one thinking, up him.
1: Yeah, eleven everyone up him. Was
2: thinking Isaiah, say, so, hey, <laughs> I got more than him. So he went and got ninety two points in his pro am. Um, so he, he's been sensational and. He's developed. You could see his game has already so, evolved quite a bit since last year.
1: So when Pete, uh, you laid down the knowledge on us that a pro m is the pros playing with amateurs. Was he yep. the only pro playing with a bunch of amateurs? Maybe that I don't know. Might have been yeah. living at some sort of aged care facility or some. sort You're of, right. Yeah, it
2: was. It was pretty similar to that. There was. It was high school kids and college kids. Right and. And uh, Peyton Pritchard is one of the top players to come out of Oregon. Okay. And so it was sort of like a – it was like his pro It was like dedicated to him, you know. So the whole game was built around him playing. And I think he shot something like, I don't know, 60 shots or something in the game, you know.
0: Sounds to me a bit like uh, Globetrotters versus the Generals. <laughs> yeah. On, yeah hey. A bit like that. <laughs> it's fixed. The hometown, hometown boy Peyton That's Pritchard, right. They let him get 91.
2: Yeah, you know, it's yeah. got me thinking so, about
1: time. This uh, reminds me of some of the stories you used to tell uh, yeah. as a primary school teacher, mm-hmm. um, playing against a bunch of Year Four kids when you are racking up oh, big, yes. big numbers. You know, scoring yeah. forty points against a bunch of uh, ten year olds so, couldn't stop me. They could not stop you. They'll double teaming you, and yeah. you're just um, backing them down, and just too
2: big, too strong, yeah. too fast. Yeah,
1: is that the sort of theory? <laughs> Pritchard had?
2: Look, I don't know, but, it, you know, the way it was sort of um, done in the media was that Pritchard you know, had to leave the Summer League team because of a prior commitment, Engage- yeah, engagement. That, yeah. So you're thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe a wedding or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, now he's got his own pro in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but he, and he might not play in the final. So the Celtics made it to the final there. Um, but the, I think the team hasn't decided whether they'll they'll play him or not. Wouldn't that know? be but
1: a feather is, in the cap of the Celtics if they will win the Summer League? A good way to start the
2: season. You, well, you know what? A lot of people have written us off already. Hmm. Wouldn't that be Including a slap yourself? in the face to all those guys? You know? <laughs> yeah. What a slap in the face, you know? You thought we're done. Check this out, you yeah. know? 92-point hero comes back to win the final.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, Pete, when um, the Warriors won the sevens uh, in the rugby league that time, and we all thought that they were going to be a in to win the grand final after that. Um, they didn't make the eight. <laughs> uh, anything jump out to you from Summer League? Uh, Oracle? Uh, Sneaky Pete's already said that he hasn't really been um, too interested in it. He's been yep. uh, recharging the batteries. Yeah,
2: well, you know what? I've seen a lot of very talented players. I can't believe the skill that I can see out of these guys that are fringe NBA players that are doing all these step-backs and all these mm. behind-the-back things that everyone can shoot. It's it's really phenomenal. Um, and I don't know why they're that good. i, I got one theory, and that is because um, players can – learn so much from the internet and you know Mm. studying at home i've even heard of a thing where you can buy where there's like a a basketball where they put a little a tracker in it and then you're doing your your workouts with your your dribbling and it's assessing your dribbling you know you got it up on the tv or whatever it's like a toy and you're getting like a dribbling workout and stuff as a kid and i think All this sort of YouTube and and these sorts of things are now starting to take effect where these young guys are now coming through with all these skills. So, gosh, when I look at some of these guys that have been drafted, there's so many guys that look like they could be something special. So That's what what stands out to me.
1: My theory on that would be that uh, maybe when Jordan uh, was it, everyone wanted to do Jordan's moves and then everyone wanted to do Kobe's moves. A lot of this step-back stuff is surely just a response to what's getting buckets in the game right now. I also wonder if uh, these guys are basically just drilling the hell out of uh, these certain mm, skills and abilities. And I wouldn't say they're one-trick ponies, but they can master a few elements of the game. And Summer League doesn't show your deficiencies as much when you're playing right. against the best players. So oh, yeah. I think some of it's that. The other thing that makes me wonder is, uh, I think the effort going into new talent prior to entering the NBA, like the the, the coaching they get pre-NBA, the NBA readiness uh, that the uh, they're leadership teams that are looking after these young guys coming through is making them more NBA-ready than ever. It's more professional. It's more well done. And it also makes me wonder about, with all the leagues going around and and you hear about these guys that go off and play in China or Australia or whatever, and then they can come back into the NBA and be something, it actually makes me wonder if the worth of an average role player – is going to be less and because there's the, an average role player is going to be more common, someone who has that ability. Mm-hmm. So that's so I'm thinking shorter contracts, lower contracts, and it makes me wonder if in the, the next um, agreement with the um, Players Association, if that comes into play somehow because there's more people, I think, with the skills sure. and ability to fulfil those roles. And, you know, it's not – it, it, I think the money should be going to the premium players that can do something a little bit better. So maybe the mid-level exemption um, is higher and the minimum is lower. I don't know. That's just something that I thought about. What do you reckon about that oracle?
2: Gee, that's very deep, Matt, all those things that Too you deep? covered there. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think, yeah, you're right. Um, about all of it? Uh, well, yeah, pretty much. I think you you missed a couple of things. Okay. Um, but I, I think in on the whole you're right in that there is more and more talent out there in the world, and um, the the players that are coming in can do more. So you don't have your typical three and D guys because now you want your three and D to also be able to put the ball on the ground yeah. and pass it or. Or get around their man and see if they can drive it and things like that. The requirements for a skilled player is just getting higher and higher. And, like, one example I'll give is that Celtic signed this guy um, to a two way deal. And a two way deal these days, you can play as many games as you want. And, um, you know, it's basically like having another, um, another guy to your roster. And this guy, Hauser, he shot the ball so well that like he hit six threes or seven threes in a game, and it wouldn't even touch the rim. It was just like a, a pure silky shot. He's six foot eight. he can handle the ball. Um, he was making good reads and stuff on defense, and, and the reason why he wasn't guarded uh, he wasn't um, picked up in the draft was he doesn't have much athleticism, and they reckon he could get taken advantage of one on- one defensively, but he's still six foot eight. Um, and you think a guy like that who's undrafted um, it just goes to show just like how many great players are coming into the league every single year so I'm just excited for where it's all headed I know that we're going to have the African kids coming through in the next few years as well which will you know just take it to a whole new level again Um, you're looking at a guy like I I watched a game of bowl-bowl play Mm. he's a guy that can do just about everything but he can't find a role on this team, you know, and um, it's strange. Like a guy like that, gosh, if, uh, you know, t- go back, you know, fifteen years, he'd be, he'd be an all star, I reckon. Well, you know?
1: fifteen years or whatever, you think of someone like Tim Thomas getting like a max deal yeah. on on what could be? Surely someone would have thrown a huge amount of money at, at a bowl bowl coming through in that period. Have you had much of a look at him?
2: in this summer league with all his minutes? Have you seen what he can do? There's a lot
1: he can do. I think his main problem is attitude at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think he can figure out how to play a role in a championship-level team to make himself valuable, and I think he just can't get his head around that. And I think uh, if he can't, well, he's not going to he's not going to get minutes. Uh, I'd love to see him coming off the bench, playing backup center minutes, and and then working a second unit around him. Uh, well, not around him, but making it work with him in that lineup, and just throwing out there like, well, what are the other teams going to do? How, like, mm. a, second, a, a second team the a second unit? How are they going to stop him? But I just don't know if he's got it in him. Uh, it'd be interesting this is his I think his last chance with the nuggets, and yeah. it might even be too late don't know uh,
2: well that's what I like about the summer league is that you've got all these guys with talent and you like I like having a look and seeing what they're doing and you know where they might fit in or whatever and bowl bowl's an interesting one, but there's just so many like this draft you could have had maybe ten guys where you look at and go, Wow, this guy could be anything so I've enjoyed the summer league this year. Um, it's coming to an end, and now training camp and all that's going to start. But yeah, I think this has been one of the ones I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, uh,
1: one other thing we probably need to talk about in terms of uh, things that have happened in the NBA. Uh, the it's worth mentioning that because of your love of Rajon Rondo, uh, oh, yeah. the Rondo Beverly Bledsoe move.
2: Well, you want to
0: start with this one, Pete? Oh, I've been waiting all week. I know you love Bledsoe. I'm waiting for another Oracle you know, soliloquy of uh, or listing all the things wrong with Eric Bledsoe. Can I just Come say on. one thing? He's got long Give arms. Me. That's good. So what's wrong with him? Oracle? Long arms. He does. Bledsoe's the new um, Ennis Cantor. Like, he's just getting <laughs> passed along. <laughs> Like, oh. No one wants him. He just ends up in these places, and yeah. now he's at the Clippers. How is he? How is he on a, a contender?
2: I've got no idea. Like I saw this tweet saying, and I think this sums it up: that if you've got a trade where Eric Bledsoe is in the deal, and you're getting Eric Bledsoe, well, you've lost that trade. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what else is in this trade; you've lost it. Um, but training Pat Bev to get him, yeah, like surely I,
0: Pat Bev's handy to have around. I know he's well, he's yeah. not a starter, that. You can guarantee that. But Patrick Beverly in the in the series against the Suns, he was handy. Yeah. Like he did. He did have. He did have his moments. His brain explosion moments. The the shake of the head moments. We go. Come on, Pat. Yeah, Snake, what are you doing? Sneaky you, but. Can't... Yeah, you could... he came on and he did a job on Booker. He yeah. he rattled Booker, broke his <laughs> nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> broke
1: you could his nose. You could make an argument that Beverly was a difference in at least one game. You know, from them winning and losing, and and that a game
0: that they won. Uh, can I understand, can I understand them shipping on Rondo. Mm. That's fair enough because he did not like he wasn't a factor. But yep. Patrick Bev in the. In the locker room, on the bench? I don't know. It's, look, it's a head look, scratcher. Even,
2: even Rondo on the locker room and bench would contribute more than I think Bledsoe would do on the court, you know? I think, like, Bledsoe, I don't know what he can do well anymore. Like, he can't shoot. He can't pass. He can't drive. He can't defend. can't rebound. Like I don't know. He don't can know get he traded,
0: could... though. Like, he, it's the merry go Okay. He's he, number he one up skill. Sneak. I bet he ends up at the 76ers somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine it, can't you? Sneak,
1: I'll say this about Bledsoe. What they, from what I've looked into, what they say is that he has a contract with uh, that next year is only uh, partially guaranteed and he might be a good um, trade chip. And... <laughs> Again? Yes. (laughs) Hang on. His best asset. Down the track. Good trade chip. Now, when you said, what's he good for? Well, you hit the nail on the head. It's that. The other thing is, is that um, with the reduction in salaries, apparently the Clips get a trade exemption in the future and um, they save 30 million bucks in tax this year. So Mm. that's, that's what Bledsoe brings to the table. It's um, like
0: that old card game, old maid. Like you play cards and whoever's left with the old maid's the old maid. Whoever's left with Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> All the cards are distributed, then oh, Eric Bledsoe, here we go. You'd think you'd get bored out at some at some stage oh. and on your merry way, Eric. Well, but,
2: no. isn't, isn't their owner uh, what's his name again? The former Microsoft guy, um, oh. the, the clipper's owner? Isn't he the richest got, uh, owner in the NBA? Like he's a twenty billion dollar guy. What? What's he care about saving a couple of bob here? Like, surely he's got to be thinking title rather than let's save a, a few dollars here. I, Steve Ballmer. I hate the move. Steve yeah, Ballmer. Ballmer. That's so. Right. Yeah.
1: He's got a hundred billion net worth. Uh, but thirty million is thirty million.
2: Uh, uh The other yeah. question.
1: The other question is, you know, you're thinking um, they're bringing in Bledsoe. I actually think that what they've lost in Ronda, like you think of the okay, let's just call it thirty grand and a future trade exemption. Some people are saying, oh, gives them um, an opportunity in the future to do something more. They're not so sort of stuck in in their roster, and it gives them options in the future. Okay, this year, let's just say they're writing it off Oracle. Okay, you know that Kawhi is out. It's a write off year. They're going to save 30 million bucks. Are Rondo and. um, Beverly. Beverly going to be worth as much to the team, not next season, not this season coming, but the following season? And are they thinking, okay, we'll save a little bit of coin and it's going to give them an option to bring someone in with this expiring, um, non guaranteed contract of Bledsoe and. A trade exemption is that maybe where they're aiming at is okay. We can retool a little bit for well, the following what, season, and maybe it's a savvy move.
2: Yeah, you know when we were talking about Marcus Smart beating the heart, the heart and soul of the team. Well, you look at this Clippers team. Well, the guy that gives them the fire is mm. Beverly,
0: and then yeah, Rondo is a...
2: the one that gives them the savvy. Yep. You, Kawhi doesn't say nothing. Like right. Paul George is so you know flippity floppy, You don't you don't know what's going on with him. So they're basically they're they jettisoning their their leadership guys, and they're bringing in this other loser. You know, so you might say okay, save thirty million, but I'm saying they're losing culture, they're losing leadership, they're losing direction, just to save a couple of bucks. And this should be a team that should be always going for getting better all the time and. I see this as a step backwards. So, I don't
1: like it. So does it take them from being, let's were they guaranteed to not be in the plane and being that top six previous to this move?
2: I think that would have been playoff contention.
1: Yeah, so what has it done to that?
2: I reckon it's made them worse.
1: Yeah, so are they going to be a top six or are they going to be uh, a in team or where
2: do you see that? Well, look, I don't know. I just think, like, Bledsoe, no matter where he's gone... In fact, I think he had his best years as a clipper being the backup point guard to Chris Paul. And then since then, he's gotten worse and worse and worse. He's unreliable. He's a locker room problem as well. Remember, he was the one when he was at... um, Uh, the Phoenix Suns where he was putting out tweets saying, get me out of here and all this sort of stuff. You bring in a guy like that, does nothing for your team. It makes them worse. Um, And when their culture is sort of tenuous at best, um, I think all it does is make their team worse. I think it's a terrible move and um, they're going to regret it.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. So... Anything else before we get... I reckon we get into Malice in the Palace. Out of modern-day uh, players, sneaky, I'll put this out to you, does anyone jump out to you to be a modern-day Ron Artest slash meta-world piece?
0: Really? That's a. Is there anyone like Ron Artest? Ever? Before or after? I don't know. No. No. There's not, no one like him.
1: No one like him.
0: No, there's no one in there. He's a, he's a special case. He's a he's one of those freaks of nature.
1: So in saying that, how did he, he's, you know, this Malice in the Palace uh, documentary on Netflix jump out at you? How did he jump out at you? Because you might not have known a lot about Meta World Peace slash Ron Artest coming into it.
0: I actually watched this game live. What? I know. I know. It's one oh, of those wow. freak occurrences that that actually happened. I watched it live. Gee. I saw it happen. Tell us a story. Um, oh, I don't have a story. I was. What you were know, you doing? Stoned on my couch. <laughs> 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 what do you want to know? In my of shorts? Where were you living I'm at the time? The channels. But um, I I did. I actually saw it, and I thought this um. I thought it humanized him. I thought he came out of it quite well. He, he's he's a big kid. And I don't know if you've had much to do with people with mental issues, but um, you kind of felt sorry for him. And you can kind of, under, for the first time, really understand what he was going through and why he went into the stands. And I, I've known people in my, my life that's, you know, well, he was using his coping mechanism, and I believe him, that – he shouldn't have li- laid down on the scorers table, but getting yourself out of the way and, and counting to yourself is a pretty well known yeah. method to calm yourself down and then getting hit in the head by by a beer or whatever it was. Like, i g I've seen it before. I've seen how many times have you been to a pub, like p- people have been people have been knocked out for worse. Yeah. <laughs> like had um in Western Sydney, down at Greenfield Park Tavern. Come on, but um, I thought he came across pretty well, and he, and even to this day, he he sounds like just a big kid, like just a big kid, misunderstood kid. And when he was um when he won the championship, and his first instinct was to apologise to his teammates. Yes. I've seen that before.
2: And quite sad, that, isn't it?
0: I thought that was quite sad, mate. You just yeah. won, and but it, it, he did desert them. I suppose you could say that. And mate, you're not a coward, Ron Artest. You're not. You 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 stuffed up, and that's it. You know, you should give himself a break. O'Neill, however, he's harbouring mm-hmm. some ill feelings, to say the we'll, least. We'll get on fantastic to Fantastic earrings. Yes. Let's get on to
1: him in a minute. Oracle, what are your thoughts on the whole run, run artist, you know, career and and, and this uh, Malice in the Palace documentary
2: uh, in general? You know, I always knew he was crazy. You know, I always knew that. Um, but you never really heard him talk, I don't think, you know, um... And this is the first time where you know they got a little bit deeper into him, and um, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to him and, and watching and watching him. Um, but I, I was sort of also fretting how what a great talent he was, and um, how it sort of all got wasted because he, he was a guy that really could do almost everything on the court, and in the end, he was just a role player, you know, with the Lakers. And what I say, the Lakers would not have won that um, final without him.
1: Um, Really?
2: He really locked up um, the opposing uh, team's best player. And the thing about him was he hit, at the end of the game, that game seven that they won, he hit a number of threes at the end of the game that was sort of unexpected. And they won the game because of him. So, um you know, he he had a career that probably if he played it through like ten different times, it could have gone in so many different directions. He could have been a superstar, he could have been a guy out of the league in a year, it could have just gone anywhere. So it was definitely the most or well, one of the most unpredictable players I've ever seen and um, I really, really enjoyed this trip down memory lane with him.
1: I remember when he was playing for the Bulls um before all this and I actually thought that he was you know going to be one of the top players back then mm. um and I can't remember I'm sure that he when he was playing for Bulls he he had like a game where he scored you know 40 or 50 points or something like that and he was unstoppable in that game yeah uh and then he ended up getting traded, obviously, and things like that. But I always liked him. I, I do somehow
2: get attracted to the crazies and stuff like that. I will sort mm. of find it interesting or whatever. He's, he's definitely like um, a personality. Like When so many players are scripted in everything they say and so robotic with everything, it's refreshing to see a guy that's um, a bit more himself, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, okay, so in terms of, you know, what he did and jumping onto that whole, you know, scenario of that guy that threw the thing at him, uh, I don't really have a strong opinion about that. Like, you get caught up in the moment, things happen, um, going up in the stand. And then when that guy um, sort of... I guess it was an maybe an overreaction. Like, do you, do you remember back when you know, in the origin days where people were throwing beer cans and stuff onto the field and you didn't really see Wally Lewis run up in the stands and job anyone. Uh, so to be fair to, you know, the other side of the story, you know, not being an apologist, it's a pretty dumb thing to do. Um, like someone throws at something at you, well,
0: well... I think it was a confluence of events. Okay. Like what I found fascinating about it was that the paces were up? It it's like, and the the rich people had left mm. because because yeah. there's nothing to do like beating the traffic as you do, and the nosebleed seats all filtered down to the yeah. to the courtside seats. I didn't know that. No, nah. at, at the time, I didn't know that that's what what caused it. And three police. Oh,
2: that's crazy!
0: That's crazy. Yeah. You think of a the police state we're living in under here in here in New South Wales. Yes. And think of it at when they, there's talent worth multi tens of millions of dollars on the court, and there's three cops, yeah. and one of them doesn't know who Reggie Miller is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you joking.
2: And and not and also that these teams had such a big rivalry as well, you know, and I didn't know about that too, that, you know, they had that playoff series the year before and this was the game that they both circled and all that. Mm. And then you got Ben Wallace who had a personal tragedy, you know, not long before this game as well. Like there was so many things. Yeah, so
0: it was like, it was like fate. Yeah. It was the confluence of events kind of meant this to happen. And it's one of those things that's, terrible when it was happening but it makes sport life interesting
2: you know and watching that again as i was watching and i've seen this a number of times now but just watching it again i was still thinking i was still spinning out thinking, i can't believe what i'm seeing
0: you know yeah and what about um that little nugget that tinsley told Artest, go get your oh. foul now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. They weren't interviewing him, were they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that all about? Well, because um, I like, obviously kept Artest on a leash to win the game and get your foul, you know, go a bit hard on one. Mm. You've, we've won the game. What, what, and he was... um, just did it to the wrong guy.
2: Was he a he was, was he a veteran, nuts. Simon?
1: Who when he said that the Tinsley guy? Do you remember? Yeah, him?
2: he was. He was a high draft pick, and you know, could have been a good player, but ended up having a bit of a weight battle and stuff like that. You know, mm. um, but he was an old head.
1: So bad advice. You know, the other thing that jumped out to me is when he was talking about oh, when Reggie was talking to me, I wasn't listening to him and whatnot, <laughs> and it, and it actually made me wonder about. Um, Reggie's. Uh... Re- Reggie well, talks. How he
0: feels when Reggie talks on commentary, I kind of tune out as well.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say to the Oracle, Pete, that um, I never really liked Reggie, and and it, first off, I said I wonder if Reggie um, was the back then the the version of um, Chris Paul, and so And someone said, no, 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 no. And then I said, oh, "Oh, maybe Dame Lillard. You know, never won a uh, a championship. Great shooter, um, but you know, never won anything. And it makes me wonder about Reggie. Like he talks, he, he talks it up that he was the greatest shooter in the the NBA has seen. Still holds that. Um, I don't know if he's actually called out that Curry is better than him. But I think he has. Has he? Okay. Well, yeah. it, was, it must have only been recently." I never liked him because he was always kicking his feet out for fouls. And and that I'm not attracted to that at all, a foul puller.
2: I thought it was because he was so skinny. Like, he hates skinny blokes.
1: And he also looks a bit like that guy from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: Um, the Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that,
1: but that, that, that all culminates into me not really liking him. But if you're a, if you want to say aging superstar with some young hotheads on your team surely he has to get more involved into mentoring these guys um you know into the ways of the world and, and being better people and better players
2: does he take any responsibility in that at all what's he going to do with our test the guy needs like medical help it's not you know, the words of some NBA veteran that's going to steer him the right direction. So, And then you bring in Steven Jackson, another crazy, right? And what I say, Steven Jackson, I thought, came off great in this doco. i, yeah. well, I, I got a lot of respect for him now.
0: Never apologise. That's a <laughs> Good right. way to live your life.
2: <laughs> Stood up for my mates. That's it, you know? What that's What makes what you did. say
1: Steven uh, Jackson's crazy?
2: Oh, there's plenty of instances where through his career and they even said in the doco that um donnie walsh the the president who brought him in said you know he had the talent but having these mix of him and jamone o'neill and ron Artest was you know um very volatile and um and that sort of just goes to show you know getting guys like that like reggie miller i don't think a guy like in his eighteenth season, while he's on the bench injured, I don't think he's going to have much influence there. Yeah,
1: maybe not know? while he's on the bench, bench um, injured. But you know, the lead up to that, the you know, since they come to the club, question: if they were playing for the Bulls in the Jordan era, would the same thing have happened?
2: Well, I guess we can talk a little bit about MJ when we get to Luke Longley. Yeah. But uh, MJ was a different kind of leader, wasn't he?
1: There's no way those guys would have got away
2: with acting like that with MJ. Yeah.
1: What about Larry Bird? If he was, you know, the yeah, but age- You're
2: talking about guys who are like the greatest guys in the league. Those guys have a lot of weight in what they say. Reggie Miller's a guy that never won a title. Mm. He's still considered a very good player, but he's not like a, a legend type of guy like these guys are. You know? Okay.
1: So he wasn't up to his role is what you're saying, that he could have done better, but he just wasn't up to it. Just throwing it out there. Uh, I
0: think they rolled the dice by getting some berserkers <laughs> and coupling them with Reggie Miller, and it almost worked. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so let's get on to Jermaine O'Neal. Oracle, I said to you, he sort of stood out to me as a
2: whinger. <laughs> yeah, look... um, there was a lot of talk about him. Gee, he could have been a superstar. Mm. Could have been one of the all-time greats. Yeah.
1: If it wasn't, I for never this... saw that. Like
2: mm. he, remember, he took a long time to be even a player in the NBA. He he was on the bench at uh, Portland for almost like six years or something before he, he he went to Indiana. They glossed over that. I know, and then after that. Um, he just had like a really an injury, injury-riddled career after that. Like he played for the Celtics. He was a journeyman. And he just got injured all the time. The one thing I will say, when he was fit, like he had all the skills, mm. right? I mean, he had, you know, strength, speed. He could shoot. He could block shots, athleticism. He had all that. But, you know, if you're only giving us that for maybe two or three seasons in your whole career – yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys that have done that.
1: Yeah. And and the, he, he was sort of like had this bitter um, recollection and, you know, oh, Ron Artest left me and, and you know, what could have been and yeah. this and so that. So it's like
2: he's blaming Ron Artest for his um, shortcomings. A
1: little bit. Like yeah. Artest and Jackson went off and got their ring. Uh, You know, uh, is it really... Jermaine O'Neill to say, oh, well, if it wasn't for those two blokes, I would have got one. Well, well,
2: look at look at Aiton this year, right? Mm. Like everyone's saying, oh, a great year for Aiton. Well, what was it, last year when he did like 20-odd games for taking a banned substance and everything like that, you know? Oh, I like, about players, that. Players can turn it around. If they play well, no one cares, you know? And the thing is with Jermaine O'Neill, he never played well again. You know mm. that was his that was his time, and he never recovered.
1: Mm. Um, so so I feel sorry Winger, for him. Yeah. But...
2: Well, like, he's doing
1: all right. Like it's not as if he, you know, he's destitute from the yeah, whole like thing. A... But he just
0: never. I think I think one of the problems was his character got a bit assassinated mm. over the whole affair, and yeah. yes, he was doing the same thing that Jackson was doing, and he was defending himself. And he got labelled this this a thug, dug, yeah. Like this, like this crazy guy it lobbed in the same boat as those two, yeah, yeah. Goodbye like, association. I've, I've been crazy on the football field, yeah. you know. And sometimes the heat of the moment gets yeah. And he did nothing really that wrong.
2: Well, the, but that one where he ran across the court and like launched a punch at some guy and he missed. I think that's the thing like that stuck in people's heads, like from that mm. as one of the defining point, like you had Ron Artest getting up from the ground, you know, from the table you Had Stephen Jackson's in the stands, like right next to Ron Artest. And then you got out of nowhere, Jermaine O'Neal running across to try and, you know, do a, a, you know, one of those Superman punches or whatever on somebody. And that stuck, yeah. you know, and it's true. Like, looking at all that footage and everything I never heard about him being exonerated and nah. and all that sort of stuff that was all you know swept under the rug and I just, feel sorry for him in that regard but just
1: just on that too though like snake you can imagine us you know back in the day say playing footy and there was you know even say you know lucky to be 500 people there but let's just say of the those 500 people stormed the um pitch and are looking for blood i don't think you're thinking oh what's this gonna do to my uh, career what's this gonna do to my um, public persona like you might be in that fight or flight mode where you're like i need to go into berserk mode here to save well, happened
0: to us you can ask jack this we were playing a. Uh... What was the name of that inter school public school comp? We were playing a game of football against Granville High, mm. and where we used to play, and funny enough, where we used to train for uh, Nepean. And um, what was the name of that ground? Oh, I can't remember, mate. Uh, anyway, it's just down the road from Granville High, and half the high we got into a fight with them, and half the high, high school came down. We had to run, get on the bus, and get the hell out of Dodge. Mm. And because, like, Granville High School is. Um, Pretty large Lebanese contingent, right? So it was rocket um, launchers. It, it was a bit of a bit of a free for all. Grenades, and we, we got yeah. out of there pretty quick. Um, so and we, I, I know where O'Neill's coming from.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same, actually. Were you thinking yeah. at the time that you know one of the teachers oh, might the have same. made a comment in the yearbook? Uh, Pete was a good student,
0: however you know in the Granville game he did you the know turning point <laughs> he did king you know, he never, the bloke uh... i bought myself a pair of diamond earrings and waiting for the <laughs> the documentary crew to come around and i want to i want to tell my side of the story yeah
2: yeah
1: okay
0: yeah.
2: um so you you, ma- you make a good point that the way it was perceived in the media and then by the public you know they really zeroed in on what the players were doing and they didn't really think about public so much you
0: what know about and... that guy um, talk about not apologizing that green you thought what it was a piece hilarious. Of work he was yeah, yeah. oh I' I'm, I'm sorry I didn't trip him over and letting the guy next to him cop it yeah, yeah.
1: what a what a douche the other one is that um the Haddad bloke who come down looking for trouble and our test cleaned him up like
0: you deserve what you get mate like yeah like what you must be you must be soused if you if you're that if you're this tubby short ass mm. taking on an NBA basketball player, <laughs> any one of them except maybe Chauncey Billups or Muggsy Bogues, yeah, like how, what Jamal Kinsley, yeah, Pete, are you crazy?
1: Pete, I'll just throw you, this guy's name was Haddad. Do you remember my mate John from uni, John Haddad?
0: Oh, yes,
1: yeah, oh, that makes sense. Say no more.
0: Now no, uh, I'm not I'm not a cop, John. I'm not a cop.
1: Yeah, man. exactly. Say no more. So now let's sort of flick across into happier times and the life of Luke Longley. Uh, I think I'm going to say Australia's greatest basketballer. How do you like that?
0: Well, you've forgotten about Paddy Mills already. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that, that, that didn't take too long, did
1: no, it? I'm talking three-time champion Luke Longley, six foot two. Yeah, like we
2: didn't, we didn't really think about him much when we were thinking about you know Paddy Mills and Andrew Gaze, no. and uh, watching I've, that Doco, he did really saying. blaze a trail, didn't he?
1: And, and a starter on what some might say is the greatest basketball team of all time. I think those last Dan
0: producers uh, are to blame, mm. and basically this Australian story, right, is because. It came about because he got asked from the the main documentary, yes. and I liked I liked it that that Pippin, MJ, and Jackson all got together and said, "Yeah, we got to we got to give him some time because yeah. it's ridiculous." But they missed the trick. It's one of the it's one of the I reckon one of the greatest stories in sport that someone as and he'd say it himself as as boring and as you know. Low key as Luke Longley, yeah, ends up being the starting center on the greatest basketball team of all time. Arguably, is,
1: we'll say, arguably, yeah. Oh,
0: come on. <laughs> oh,
2: well, some <laughs> come of those Celtics
1: on. teams that what, what did Bill Russell win 11 championships? Oracle, that's right, Maddie. Um, we forget you know, about you
2: that. Can't, you can't, but, but, no, but look, no way. You, you, you are right, Pete, that this is one of the greatest teams of all time, yes, and. Yeah. And for a guy like him to have a guy like MJ in his face, and and what you know, what an odd couple they were. Exactly. You know? mm.
0: They could have explored that in the documentary. Yeah. And well, you can you know just what? you can just tell yeah. that Michael was getting up Luke the whole time. Yeah. The and whole time. There's actually... And it's only after after they win the three, and he looks back and go, I reckon it's only then that Michael has realised that you know what. Luke Longley was actually pretty good.
2: Yeah. There's actually, you can see on YouTube, a 30-minute conversation with uh, Michael just about um, Luke Longley. So you had little snippets in there, but he's actually got a 30-minute interview that he sat down to do, and you can watch the whole thing.
1: I might look at that. I didn't realize that. So one thing um, that I – can I confide that, you know, just between us, I actually shed a tear in that documentary oh, really? about Luke Longley. What, yeah.
0: what time? When, when he lost his house? or No.
1: No, I thought that was funny.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> easy. No. Sorry, Luke, if you're, if you're... I know you like to listen. No, no, hey, that wasn't never. funny. No. Rogue Bogues is going to annihilate us on the rate. You know,
1: what I actually thought about there is, fuck, I've got to get my house insured. Yeah. Um, But
0: double AMI. Yeah, when
1: when I started, when I actually shed a tear was at the very end, where Jordan said, "You know, if I had my way again, I would take Luke Longley with me in the trenches Mm -hmm. in that um, for those three years to win those three titles, and I could have that all over again. I'd take him with me."
0: And I, he, he and, held his own. And, like he was getting smashed by Shaq but, at this time yeah. as well, I think that meant something to Luke too. You know? I think it did because it would have been would have been so hard for him to watch the last dance. You could see it
1: in in, in the yeah. second part yeah. of the thing where he was like, "Oh, that's me." He, he's pausing it, you know, like trying to show his daughters and stuff. Uh, yeah, but the the whole thing where Jordan came out and said, "Look, uh, you know, I'll." I, he was, you know, what I wanted and needed on that team, it, and, and I'd do it again. And, and so I looked a little bit into it, and the producers of the um, last dance series said it was a purely financial decision not to include the Longley story, just purely financial. And I, I don't thought, believe that.
2: Well, that's what they said. Well, well, look, with Longley, he had the kind of game that was perfect for the Bulls because of the style that they played. So, um, they played the triangle offense Mm. where what you do is you get the ball into the post and then you got wing players that then play off that. And so they get the ball into Luke Longley and his his best skill on offense was passing and they'd have guys cutting and moving all around him. He'd get it to the guy and then on the other side, he'd rebound and block shots. So he was, he was the guy that they wanted. If they had a guy that scored more, well then that's less points for Michael. So He was the perfect guy for that team.
0: It's good to see that um, Scotty Piven, as his life after basketballs, sent him into a nice career of being a pimp. (laughs) (laughs) He's either a pimp or he's from uh, Stoner. He's Rudy from Fat Albert, like impersonator. Has
2: he got the deepest voice in in the world? No, Ben Wallace
0: does.
1: Do you remember Ben Wallace being interviewed? It was like talking to give George doing Clinton.
0: Got her and tribute show. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah,
1: yeah. Scottie Pippen definitely sounded like he was high and wearing sunglasses. Come on, Scotty. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> pimping ain't easy.
2: I actually actually felt a bit sad for Michael Jordan as well. I have to say that, like how the whole team would socialise together except for Michael, and that. You know, he said, well, you know, that was a sacrifice he made. And, you know, you watched the, the last dance where he was sort of against the team as well as a young guy where they were all like, you know, in their uh, hotel rooms um, doing this and that. And he didn't want a part of it. And then as he became a leader, he was isolated again. And um, it seems like a pretty sad existence for a guy that, you know, was a guy that everybody looked up to and everybody wanted to be. Like, all you hear is really sad things about the bloke, and, um, you know, you, you feel like he, although he achieved a lot of things, and, you know, maybe the greatest of all time, that he really, I think in a lot of ways, didn't enjoy the whole experience of, of being a basketballer in, in many ways. You know, so he didn't have that camaraderie.
1: Can you say the same for LeBron?
2: I think LeBron has a different sort of attitude to Michael, doesn't he? He hasn't, doesn't have that sort of killer thing that, that, uh, that Michael does. And he didn't... I mean, Michael sort of stuck with the same team all the way through, whereas LeBron changes as soon as the guy's no good, he gets rid of him. It's a different sort of a, a thing, I suppose. Um, but I, I don't look at LeBron as sort of missing out on anything, you know, whereas you don't see Michael Jordan happy all that much. Like when he wins a game, he throws his arms up. But then apart from that, he's either, you know, steely focused on something or.
0: Yeah, but I just, think that's that... what made him the best. That I could be his so, personality yeah. too. It's, he it's, he's, he's never satisfied. And it's a personality fault. And that he's a genius. He's yeah, never, yeah. He never, he cannot be satisfied unless he's, he's winning. And I'm sure he's tortured by it. But, mm. you know, as he's, you know, light cigars with hundred dollar notes. That's that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to to do it to do, especially in that last season. Mm. He had to be the biggest prick in the world to get yeah. to drag this team over the line, because because Scotty was busted, if you remember, like as well at that stage. Like to get to drag them over the line, he had to be a el Commandant. Like he had to, he had to whip right. the boys over the line, get them there, and he did. And I think it's testament to, to, to an example of what it takes at the highest level. And even though you're hurting, and at that time they all hurting, like Luke Longley's ankle, and he and he got them there. And that's what it takes. You had to sacrifice. You he, didn't. Well, you had you had to get no Barbies and stuff. You had to. You had to win.
2: We uh, we made a mention before about. His leadership versus Reggie Miller, and has there been a crazier player than Ron Artest? Well, he's got Dennis Rodman on Dennis the team. Rodman, oh, yeah, yes, know. yeah, that's right. And so he's got him, and as good as Pippen was, don't forget he had that. Remember that um, time when the last play wasn't called for him, and he wanted that last shot in some game, and he wasn't given it. And this is when Michael Jordan wasn't there, and he refused to come back into the game. Do you remember that story? So, he wouldn't have been the easiest guy for Michael either. You know, a guy that would have been very temperamental and everything as well. So, you know, Michael did will them to that win and um, you could see that's why after three years, he had to take a break and Mm. people have said that oh, well if he stayed in the league, he would have won eight in a row, but No Uh, way. Like the guy was exhausted after those first three and then virtually dead after that second three.
1: Yeah. So the the thing is as well that jumped out at me was Steve Kerr uh, being Longley's mate and all that sort of stuff. It actually makes me think, well, you know, that guy in terms of his, you know, basketball and career and stuff seems to have made a lot of mates, could shoot the ball, Mm. um, coached, you know, a great team. Coaches a great team. Uh, there must be something special about him too, as a person. You know, as a bloke. That, that jumped out to me, in that in in the long yeah. story.
2: He seems very intelligent too and um, personable. Like he's funny and things too. Like when you hear him, he used to be a commentator and things. He, you know, he was probably one of the best co-commentators. Um,
1: you, do you so- know? Do you know one story? <laughs> I, I was. Uh, um, I think they're talking about, um, it might have been Snoop Dogg or someone like that was talking about, or it might have been a player or something like that, who, it could have been a guy like, I think it was John Sally or someone like that, who's got his own marijuana um, empire at the moment, said, who rolled the best spliffs in the NBA at the time? It could have even been um, it was someone, a big name, Steph Curry or someone like that, they said, Steve Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I couldn't believe that.
0: <laughs> I think you can really tell um, the influence that Phil Jackson had oh. on the on the on the team from oh, yeah. from mm. this from the Australian story. And I urge all our American listeners out there to, to look it up on the ABC website and take a look at this this documentary about Luke Longley, because you get to see a bit you get to see a bit of the guys you know and love with the Kers and the Pippins and the... But you could tell the real talent that Phil Jackson had mm. as, as a man a, manager. As a, as a coach. You didn't have to coach MJ. You could wow. kind of get that feeling. But he coached the o- ensemble crowd. Like, like you look at Kerr and you can kind of tell that he's like the protege. Yeah. Of, of Phil Jackson. And, and you could just imagine... Phil Jackson talking to Luke and that, and they seemed really close. Yes. Yeah. And because you could just imagine that Luke's copping the spray off MJ at practice and then, you know, Luke is even though he's huge, he's little kid, you know, yeah. he's boyish. And Phil Jackson coming over there as a father figure. Don't worry, you just—it's just Michael's way. Yeah, you know, you're in the NBA. We want you here. The, <laughs> this is your role. That's just yeah. the way Michael Jack, Michael Michael talks that way to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you can kind of get that feeling that that's, yeah. that was the dynamic. Yeah,
2: and 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 he would say like, remember how he said you'd never tell Luke like do this. He would sort of put the suggestion in his head. We, he, you know, he'd say. Now, why don't you try? Um, you might be good doing this or whatever. You remember, he had that
0: yeah, a yeah. different
2: way of talking. He said that's the way to motivate Luke. And I bet he had a something for every single player yeah. about a particular way he would communicate with them.
1: Yeah, which was quite interesting too. And and Longley, being um, growing up in that sort of hippie you know, family and all that sort of stuff, and being a bit of a um, you know a lover, not a fighter type guy, that you know that artistic sort of side to him, Uh, I think, you know, there's a bit of Phil Jackson there too. And Phil Jackson was a player. He played for the Knicks. did,
2: yeah.
1: And and if he had that same mentality as, you know, Longley, you know, coming through the NBA, they might have been kindred spirits, you know. And and I just thought that that was an interesting angle too. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, What about Ben Elton um, opening it up? I, I didn't know
0: that. Back...
1: Did you know that, oh, that he was his brother? No. Anymore? So, no idea. I wish they dug a little deeper into that. So, in who's Ben Elton's sister? Or who's Luke Longley's...
2: No, no. It's who he's... He's married to an Aussie. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that that would be the sister the of sister, his wife.
0: Yeah. Of his new wife. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, right. So, so one sister married a um, an NBA superstar... And the yep. other sister married a, you know, a Pommy um, Comic comedy legend. <laughs> you know, you know
0: in, that, in that last scene of like uh, Longley and the Budgies like doing backstroke yep. in a Western Stra- Western Australian mm. ocean, weren't well, you thinking, Jesus, but you're doing this every day? What about the sharks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Western oh, Australia. You always oh, hear was, about shark attacks
2: over there. I was thinking, wow, well, I should be living in Western Australia. That's what I was thinking. Well,
1: you know what what just occurred to me is could there be an australian story on longley's missus and ben alton's missus like how do you <laughs> land a multi-millionaire
0: you know like maybe they Look should have a Tasmanian show bird. they've got the danish um prince yeah in tasmania she's from tasmania yeah there's something
1: about that? aussie women obviously uh don't know
0: what it is
2: but uh, she, she looked familiar to his wife I don't know where I've seen it before she
0: but... did I had that same feeling you as know well. what, yeah. you know
2: what I thought she looked like that that uh, Australian
1: comedian lady Fiona something from um uh, Lachlan or something yeah from, from Darwin or whatever but yeah, yeah. something apparently she's a what, the an one author. that was
0: on a hey hey no Fiona That's... McDonald <laughs> no, no, no. I
2: don't <laughs> know she's always you... drunk and talking about she's got seven kids and all this sort of stuff. She, oh, you know, mate,
0: I don't know what comedy you're looking. The... No, nah, her,
1: her,
2: she,
0: her one of
1: her, her jokes. Like a good time? She's on Spicks and
2: Specs yeah,
1: one of right. her one of her famous jokes was that she'd get home and she'd um, put the fry pan on and get a bit of butter going and put some onions on and and you know the whole house would start smelling like hey, that oniony butter and the kids would come out. Oh, mum, what's for dinner? Nothing. I'm just cooking onion and butter to get you guys out of your room or something like that. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, so, I liked it. I, liked the, I enjoyed um, the Australian story more than I enjoyed uh, Untold, Malice at the Palace, to be honest.
1: The other thing that made me think about sneaking an oracle was the way that the Australians do a documentary and tell a story Totally different to the last dance and the Malice in the Palace story, uh, and I thought it was more human.
0: Yeah. How about well, him not getting his ankle fixed for twenty years? Yeah. Mm. Mate, come on, Luke. He was. Mm. He, he seemed like he he took a toll. He he NBA took a toll on him. You could tell it wasn't. And just like like Michael Jordan, you say he's never happy. Same with Luke Longley, even though mm. on the two opposite spectrums of personality, it just seems, and I think we might, as, as punters, take it for granted that these elite sportsmen mm. and women really do like, leave a bit of themselves. They pay a price. On, on, they pay a price. They yeah. pay a very high price. Even though they get compensated mm. really well, yeah. um, they hurt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you could say the same thing about you know famous singers and actresses and all that sort of too. Like it's, it's not all peaches and cream. But I'll say this about um, uh, I did a little bit of research on Luke, knowing we're going to talk about him. Um, one of the things that I saw an article from a guy named Do you guys remember Chris Anstey? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, played for the Melbourne uh, Tigers. Melbourne, yeah. Yes, but he also played. Um, Did he play
2: for Dallas? Yes. I thought he played played for
0: Seattle.
1: He played for Dallas. Dallas. And and when he went over to play for there, Luke rang him up and said, mate, anything you need, I'm here, here's my number. Um, This is, you know, some of the things I've learned along the way, you know, maybe listen to this or whatever. But he also said that Luke copped a bit of shit when he played for the the Boomers in the Olympics, uh, that, you know, uh, he was getting this $350 a day You know, um, payment by the Australian, $330 a day uh, thing to, you know, that all Olympic athletes got. And Longley copped a bit of shit in the media about it. Like, why does he need it? Blah, 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 blah. And they said that although the NBA players in the Olympic team were covered by insurance, the NBA players weren't. And Luke had to get his own insurance to play for the Boomers. And it cost him 20 grand. To buy, to pay for insurance to cover himself, to play for the Boomers, and he and he never said anything about it. But the the Australian media were giving him shit about getting this three hundred and thirty dollars a day uh, thing while he was uh, playing for the Boomers when he had to pay for his own insurance, and and never came out and said, "Oh, hang on a second, this is what the reality of it." He just copped it on the chin and moved on.
0: That photo, that was a pretty funny photo. I had I had been decades since I heard the name Andrew Vlahoff. Oh, I love Vlahov. <laughs> yeah, and, and looking at that yeah. photo, I've had heard Damien Kea because he was the CEO of the the Sharks. I'm pretty sure I saw Tim Morrissey in that photo. It was Andrew <laughs> Vlahoff. Was he? He's a Perth Wildcats.
2: He was.
1: Yeah, uh, I like Vlahov. I always thought he was uh, he was the sort of player I wanted to be like. Um, probably a poor man's um, Charles Barley. <laughs> Um The other thing that I looked up about Longley was he's currently suing. Well, has recently sued his financial advisor, where he lost a couple of million bucks in a in a um, property development deal over in Perth. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: so, like you know, you think of guys like what's that guy's name? Um, Pete uh, playing for Australia in the Olly Roos and, and played for Australia in the Olympics. Um, Lucas Neal uh, lost his whole oh. fortune due to a bad financial advisor. Could have been wasn't, his brother-in-law. Wasn't Craig
0: McDermott's. Maybe he's in jail, isn't he? After getting everyone into a property scheme. Craig McDermott. Yeah. No way. But yeah.
1: uh, uh, the, the thing is, these stars with his money—you know—that they're, they're um, excellent sportsmen, you know. And all of a sudden, they got all this money, and how did they become money manager, and they. They have these people, you know, supposedly helping them, but Leaches. are really trying to leech off them, and they're sharks, and they're, so they got to sort of um, get yeah. through those waters as well, you know. Like, there's, uh, it, it, it's you know, insane that you know he's living on a on an awesome farm in yes. in Perth and living a great life or whatever, but there's still all these other hassles of you know people trying to you know take advantage of them, I guess too.
0: Well, all the young kids coming through the draft and getting drafted in into the teams. That's probably one of the major pitfalls. They don't want to get MC hammered, you know, like just no. all the entourage around that you end up paying for everything. The,
2: yeah. yeah the, the NBA, they do training with all that now in the older days, they did not That's why a guy like Antoine Walker could make 200 million and be uh, broke within a couple of years of retiring. Uh, Cause he would buy like gold Bentleys and all this sort of stuff. Um, So they have training in that, but they're also – I heard like guys like Jalen Rose talking about how when these uh, NBA guys go to the clubs, that the women there, they know how much each of these guys are making and they know who's on their rookie deals and all this sort of stuff. So it's not just financial advisors. It's everyone trying to get a piece of these guys.
0: I'm not supposed to dispense financial advice and don't take anything off a – Podcaster. Index fund boys. Index funds. That's all you need. All right, no, what's no, that? No, no what's property an index deals. fund? Uh, what's that? It's, it's an it's an investment tied to whatever the you know, Dow is doing. That's all you need. It's diversified. But you know, don't take advice off a podcaster. But yeah. you know, I could just imagine. Imagine the pressure they're under buying mum and dad a house, which is nice. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Buying sisters. Everyone's yeah. gonna ask you for money.
2: Well these guys a lot of them are, you know a lot of them come from like pretty poor yeah. backgrounds and things and it's not just you know uh, a family member it's all these guys that helped them get through all this stuff you know and supported them when they were you know struggling to you know in school and everything and there's like 30 40 people or whatever they got to look after well i think um
0: you know even someone like your brother Matt there he had this idea of us going over to um to Fiji and try and find some good Fijian wingers mm. that we could bring back to Australia and make some money off.
1: Yeah, I'd love it. Um, what, what was that guy's managers. name? What was that guy's name who played for Parramatta? Um,
0: oh.
1: the, the Fijian winger Pete.
0: Before um, Suvi. Yes, Suvi. I don't know. Yeah, but remember.
1: but anyway, that there's there's definitely nurseries out there of, of guys oh, that yeah. just need an opportunity.
0: Um, I'll tell you what, um, with the Sudanese that we have in Australia now, there'll be a few basketball scouts up there in, in uh, northwest Sydney scouring the basketball courts for uh, for some
2: talent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, when, I was, when even, uh, I was a teacher in Fairfield, I don't know, 10 years ago, and there were Sudanese kids there, and they were incredible basketballers for their age, and they only just started, and they were tall and fast and everything. That was 10 years ago, and, and I was telling them about um, a Tantacumbo who had just got drafted, and I said, watch this, guy." So that's how long ago it was, and um, yeah, there's a lot of talent coming through. I'm very excited by that.
0: Well, the AFL have um, known that that's quite a big nursery too. That's why they were trying to expand out into Western Sydney.
1: Nick Nui, mm. yeah. Uh, anything else I recall on, on the, this sort of stuff that sort of jumped out at you?
2: Well, oh, I Loved it. I love going down memory lane, you know. And you made a point. Is he um, the greatest Australian player? I reckon he. You could easily say he's the most important. Like he, he started a lot of things, you know, for um, guys in the um, coming through from Australia. Yep. Um, he's the guy that they all looked up to and everything. And um, you know, I hope that a documentary like that means we don't forget. You know some of the contributions that he made to um, you know, making Australia the successful basketball team that they are. So I loved it. And I, I also love Malice from the Palace. I, got, I could watch it again. I, I was hooked on that show. So I just hope they keep them coming. I hope they find more things to give us um, docos about basketball. Uh,
0: sneaky Pete. My only disappointment with uh, the Australian story was when they kept interviewing his brothers and stuff, I, I wanted to know how tall they were. They should have brought up the stats, mm. and even with his his children as well. I want to know how tall his girls are, just so I know. And, he's and 7'2". because his, his his father was six ten, yeah, and his mother was six, six six, I think, four, six six, I think. And,
1: wow. And the other thing I wanted to know was if they did play basketball, what were their stats?
2: You
0: know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an untold story. So yeah. I wanted to know. I wanted to know the heights of the Longley family. <laughs>
2: I want to see a little bit of Ben Elton just talking to him as well, like if they're brothers-in-law. Like yeah. They're going to sit around and say something to they each other. Well, he kind of just
0: moseyed in for the intro, didn't he? Yeah.
2: The, the other oh, thing... there was one,
0: he yeah. had one part where
1: he talked about him, yeah. but that's it. The other thing I would have been interested to know was, okay, the Longleys being tall, um, what's the origins of the name? Uh, we... <laughs> Is that was named Richard, wasn't it? <laughs> Dick Longley. <laughs> It was. Was it really was or not?
2: Band. I'm sure it was Richard. I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. uh,
1: <laughs> so, um, it just made me wonder like, where are they from? Are they like are they Welsh or you know, what are they? Um, are they pommy, um, back ancestry and you know you know, were the Longleys named after, you know, tall people? Like how, how did that come to be? That
0: yeah, that- it is Richard Longley. Oh, <laughs> you know th-
1: that's why he got divorced, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: um, yes, trust the teacher. Yeah, oh, come on. It's the first even pick thing up I on noticed. That. Did not. It's the first up thing I that. wrote
2: down in my notes.
0: <laughs> I don't know what you're teaching down there at that school. Mr. Lebrant, your mind's in the gutter. Dick Longley. I'm sure he's heard all the jokes.
1: Um well, if we're going to go there, I'll just say the other the other thing that came across my um, searching when I did a little bit of research on this story was I looked up Luke Longley and looked up all the um, internet um, news, recent news. and there are two Luke Longleys, believe it or not, and one of them is quite famous in the porn industry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's <laughs> not, sure it? not a stage name is it it's not
1: a stage name you think I, I just thought look I'm, I, that's how i found out about this property deal and the chris Andy's, anstey story and i thought you know i just kept looking and looking and then it's like mm, what porn industry And <laughs> you know, ah oh, that's not him um and i just thought oh okay so someone's taken that name as a stage name as well so
0: well, There's I'm a... glad um, your missus has finally taken the parent lock off your internet. Now like, that's great. I
1: didn't actually open it up. I just oh, <laughs> it was just a Google search. Uh, it was it was an article about this guy. Uh, but anyway, it was that was interesting too.
0: An article, yeah. <laughs> in in what in, in what magazine? In what
2: website? Pulitzer Prize? Uh, worth article, New
0: York that Times. Yeah. <laughs> A profile piece of Luke Longley, the porn star.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was something about that, but it just you know it just made me think. Oh well, there's more to to Luke than just this.
0: What just from a quick search?
2: wouldn't you pick... to come from Ireland? Sorry. What? I was going to say, if you're going to pick a a name, wouldn't you go his dad's name, Richard? You, if you had, if you had to pick a name, you know. Um. Look,
1: it was Daily Star. I'll just look it up. Adult film star reveals why she loves raunchy, bash star. exotica. <laughs> um, and I know that. Chase paper. and her adult star husband, Luke Longley, uh, will be available for networking opportunities and meetings with other professionals. Um, you know, Inside Outrageous adult uh, exoc- uh, exotica um, as star boasts l- love making fans happy. Her husband and fellow adult film star Luke Longley will also be there during the sizzling three day event. (laughs) That was on page two of, uh, sorry, page three of the the Google search that that sort of stuff came up. So um, interesting, but. It's on your
0: algorithm now, so.
1: Yeah, well, I haven't clicked on anything. I just saw it in the. um, Anyway, Uh, anything else, Oracle? We've sort of gone into the no, I enjoyed our that, now. yeah. Enjoyed oh, this, that.
0: Our, this, this really goes downhill the longer we go. <laughs> it eh? does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we hit, we hit our max at about an hour, and then it's just yeah, off the rails. It does. I think,
2: I think the wine and the the booze is kicking in. Yeah, it? that's
0: what I, I'm suspicious of. I knew there was something to miss. Things loosen I think up. You put the finger on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so.
1: Uh, this, is, this show is being um, turned into a, a podcast. Aussies um, on NBA, available on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Uh, Sneaky Pete, uh, you putting something together for uh, anyone I'll else? I'll have something for you next week, boss. Yep. Yeah, so Sneaky Pete's going to be putting something together uh, next week uh, if people mm-hmm. want to get in touch with the show. Uh, through what mechanism are you going to use, Sneak?
0: Um, uh, do all the usuals.
1: All the usual, So that's coming. Uh, I r- I'm really interested in our mate from um, uh, the Clippers, uh, the fan who rang into the show. I'd be liking to talk to some, uh, as the season gets closer, some of the big team supporters who we might be able to chat with on the show as well. He's had enough of us, Oracle. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, very interested in that too, fellas. So Lakers, uh,
2: not a Clippers fan?
1: Oh, he was Lakers too, wasn't he? So oh, I'm not one of those. You know, oh, yeah um and so yeah definitely looking forward to you getting in contact with the show through uh next week sneaky will um start off early in the show and and tell us about that uh how you can get in contact with the show and uh we're definitely looking for people uh, with knowledge on teams out time outside of ours uh area of knowledge me being a nuggets uh fanatic uh the oracle being a celtic's uh, genius and uh, in-depth uh, uh, provocateur of...
0: You should just stopped at <laughs> knowledge, man. We just need someone with a bit of knowledge. Yeah, and sneaky... Crazy strains We don't know shit.
1: <laughs> and Sneaky Pete um, following the the 76ers uh, to great effect. Uh, so thank you very much, Sneaky.
0: No problem then, Bucker.
1: And thank you very much, Oracle. Thank you, Matty. Thank you, Pete. Good night, gentlemen. And uh, what are we going to have coming up of thinking we're going to listen to something uh, a little bit fun. I'm going to go with um, Hit It and Quit It, Funkadelic. Good night, Nambucca.